Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the programme dedicated to celebrating arts on our island. I'm Michelle James. On today's programme, I am joined by a group of drag queens and king in the studio to talk about the drag scene on the Isle of Man. And I'm joined by progressive metal band Aeons. But first, let's start with the fabulous queens and king of the island. It's Mathia Lahore, Fenella Beach, Vida La Fierce, Nona Binary, Vincent Finery, and they're all in the studio. It's a bit of a party, so buckle in. I started off by asking Fenella Beach what the drag scene on the Isle of Man is like. When I came back to the island, I, I was... I, I was vaguely aware, I mean, I knew who Vida La Fierce was, because <laughs> most people do know who Vida La Fierce is. Um, and I wasn't too much aware of, of what drag existed over here. Um, so I started doing um, drag race viewing parties at the start of this year. And um, they're going on every Thursday. Um, I started off with, um, yeah, with one season between the first, between the second and the third lockdowns, and then since the third lockdown ended, I've been going every Thursday pretty much consistently since then, yeah. because um, RuPaul likes to make the money, and there's a new, new season <laughs> of Drag Race all the time now, so <laughs> there's always something to watch. Um, so we watch an episode of, of, of Drag Race and have a performance afterwards, and what I found really wonderful is that people seem to be more invested in the performance afterwards than watching the tv show together which is not what i expected i was running the viewing party so that i could do performance and so i could bring other people into a stage since i do like the experience yeah. of watching the show all together as well yeah it's not as good as the performances it's not as good as the performances but i think you get more out of the show like we do the tootin and bootin and yeah yeah no totally it's more really than just that. more than just sitting and watching it at home for sure but um, yeah, it's, it's people come for the performance, and that's that's really wonderful. And um, I've been able, to, I've had so many different guests. Um, everybody in this room right now has been yeah. at least twice, yeah. I would say. I think so. Most yeah. people more than twice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah <'cause, laughs> on guest acts. I am not really sure good. on it. No, that's true. And I've had I've had not just drag, but I've had um, uh, poetry. I've had. Um, Burlesque. Burlesque. That's yeah. I've had drag poetry as well. Um, I've yeah, I've kind of mixed um, different um, different art forms together, which is something I love to do. So yeah, that's part of the drag scene. And then we've been doing shows together as well. Yeah. yeah. Now let's just talk a little bit about RuPaul Drag Race because you've just you've thrown it in early yeah. on. <laughs> do you think the kind of rise in popularity of RuPaul has contributed to perhaps the the rise of the of drag on the Isle of Man? I suppose, yeah, indirectly, I it, yeah. I think, it, I think it definitely has. Yeah. I'd say it's definitely helped with the acceptance. Yeah, yeah I was about to say. It's brought drag more into the mainstream of yeah. entertainment yeah. now. And in the limelight now. It's more accessible to people, especially now it's on the BBC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a lot more accessible. It's it's a lot more, there's a lot of material out there now. How do you define drag? Personally, I would define drag as um, a type of art form that um, expresses a variety of things. Obviously, the most prominent one would be gender, but I think it comes down to like whatever the person deems as necessary. You know, I think it's a, it's a form of self-expression that is... Uh, self-esteem, confidence, it could be political values or religious beliefs and you can use your, uh, to me, it's your body is the art 
and quite often the the drag name mm. is um, kind of the start and the setup of, of lots of, of drag performers' performance and how they express themselves. How did you come up with Vincent Finery? Interesting story, actually. So the reason why I came up with Vincent was that my mum would have called me that if I was born um, male by birth. I'm non-binary for clarification. And I came up with Finery because I wrote a poem um, about being non-binary and I didn't know what to name it. So when I like finished the poem, I was like, oh, it's Finery. And then I kind of was like, maybe Vincent Finery might work. So that's where it came to... Uh, and it definitely works. <laughs> As you mentioned, drag is often a form of self-expression. Do you feel that, that your, your drag act, your drag performance, influences you in your, your everyday life? If it wasn't for me starting drag, I know that I definitely wouldn't be where I am now in life with my like self-confidence and being able to be who I am today. Because when I first started out in drag, I wasn't out as trans um, I was still living a lie in my head and I first got into drag because drag is the most extreme version of femininity or masculinity that you can want it to be. Peter, how did you discover drag? Uh, right, well I came to drag uh, in the middle of depression and that's when I started getting into RuPaul's Drag Race years ago and I just saw this show and was like, wow, this is fun and... They get to perform, they get to wear fabulous spangly things, and I'd always, always, always wanted to be a singer. Vida was very much a different character, because at that point in my life I just wanted to be someone else. And the like, the further I've gone, the less of a character Vida is, and it's now me without a volume switch and without a filter, um, so there's a very fine line between me and Vida. But also the confidence I learnt to have as Vida I learned was actually in there the whole time, so I can channel into that when I need to when I'm not in drag. No, no binary. So some people might say that drag is not an art form. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that? I started doing drag like properly with like performing performances and stuff, and doing that art like it allowed me to connect with myself. It was very like self-serving during a time when I really needed it. Mm-hmm. So I think it gave me the opportunity to. I think I've learned so much about myself through my drag and I think that I'm a much more confident person after having done and done all this art in front of people because I never thought that I would ever have the confidence to do it. Like these these guys know it's been a battle <laughs> to try and get <laughs> yeah. me to like <laughs> properly start because I'm quite like a reserved person I guess but after starting it it's literally my self-confidence is higher than it's been in a really long time. Fenella, <laughs> you came back to the island and you started these drag, um, RuPaul's drag viewing parties. Yes. And um, they've kind of helped build the community around mm. around drag and around drag artists on the island. How important is it, do you think, to be surrounded by um, fellow creatives, fellow drag artists, and um, help that kind of camaraderie, that community, build your individual work? It's absolutely essential. I've learned um, everything that I know about drag through others, I think, and I... Um, I can feel myself growing from the energy of other drag artists and from other creative people. It's so funny because if you look down the line in this room, every single one of us does something very different. Mm-hmm. Like we all have a completely different performance style. We have different makeup styles. We have um, different fashion senses. We have we all have our own um, individual styles. But I think um, you can always learn 
from others. Before I started doing drag, I went to uh, probably, I was going to say probably a thousand, that's obviously a lie, many, many drag shows. <laughs> um, and every time I see somebody on stage, I learn something new. And every time I see somebody up there, um, yeah, performing whatever they're performing, whether that be vocal, lip sync, poetry, something else entirely, a combination of of, of many different things, um, you can always you always learn from it and you can always take something from it. And um, yeah, I, I thrive from creative energy from other people um, in drag and in all kind of creative forms, definitely. Yeah. Me and uh, Fenella, we went and uh, did some uh, performances at the QB2 school. Um, you know, I did poetry and, and Fenella, you did uh, like a choreographed piece, didn't you, as yeah. well? Yeah, that was that was really amazing, actually, because yeah. I... Um, Actually, since coming back to the island, I have not just in a drag capacity, but just in kind of being myself. I've visited a, a few different high schools over here, um, which is crazy to me because I was out in high school a little bit, but I mean, it was never really um, something that anybody talked about, and there was quite a lot of bullying, and that was only I only left high school like seven <laughs> years ago, so that's that's really not a long time at all. But so much has changed, and being able to go into a school in drag and mm-hmm. do a performance and get paid was yeah. like yeah. <laughs> incredible yeah. to see to see the difference and to see so many people in that room as well um to be able to um yeah just to be able to walk through yeah. a, a school corridor and with that was, face on sorry <laughs> and it was the the first school's uh, pride as well wasn't yeah. it which was an yeah. absolute amazing accomplishment in yeah. lgbt history and and drag uh, yeah. individuals as well do you know what i mean so that was that was a really I didn't realise, I just re- re-remembered that, I was just yeah. like, whoa. I only left QE2 four years ago and nothing like that existed no. whilst I was yeah. there. And I feel so pleased for yeah. the younger community because like young young LGBTQ plus kids deserve that yeah. space. And I'm not and I'm really happy how long that it is it's... since I left school. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't have even dreamt yeah. of like that in schools, but also mm. there being a scene over here. What a joy to have all of your energies in the room today and just kind of chatting about where, where the the drag scene i'm going to keep referring to it as a drag <laughs> scene um has has kind of got to now looking ahead let's say 5 years down the line where do you see the art form of drag on the island the embracing of isle of pride going forward from from this year i kind of see it as either one pride um like in 5 years time um there might be a house of drag performers i think with the youngsters now getting a bit older and that and getting into it and with RuPaul being quite in the limelight I think we might be looking at you know a, a, a bunch of drag acts that come to our island's pride and do a whole big huge performance you might even be looking at like competitions where yeah. people from England come over and do drag drag competitions like with each other like, I think it only takes a few venues to make that mm-hmm. leap mm-hmm. and then other venues see that ooh People come to this. It yeah. makes money. Yeah. Let's do this. That's the thing. We have the fans. Mm-hmm. We have the people. Yeah. I was going to say, we have a lot of support from the queer community on the island, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just give also, us the space. Like, <laughs> yeah. the wider community as well. Mm. I think there's a, there's a lot of support for us as well. I'm often sort of blown away by like the compliments that we get and <laughs> the the support that we have. And I'm so grateful for it. It's, it's beautiful. It's really, really lovely. So I think that's going to get bigger. What a hoot. Thank you so much to the queens and king that joined me. If you want to find out more about their various gigs, whether they're performing as individuals or as a group, best to check 
out their Facebook pages. I'll run you through who was in the studio with me again. So it's Mathia Lahore, Fenella Beach, Vida La Fias, Nona Binary and Vincent Finery. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Next up, we learn about the genre progressive metal. I'm joined in the studio by Simon and Joe from band Aeons. And I started off by getting things straight with Simon and asking him what exactly progressive metal is. It's generally the heavier form of music uh, that you might think is much harder than rock, but has generally longer uh, song formats that can extend 10, 12, even 20 minutes long. Uh, they don't follow the standard frame of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, solo, verse, chorus. They would have multiple diverse elements that weave uh, a tale both musically and lyrically across the length of it. So you can tell a prog metal song because it doesn't sound like your normal pop metal song where you would have that classic format of lots of choruses and sing-along hooks. Joe, this is not the first band that you've played with. Why were you interested in, in playing in this kind of style? To be honest, when I, I moved back to the island in 2017 and my mate Justin is the drummer and they needed a bass player because their old one had just left the band and he said, oh, go on, do it, it'll be fun. And I'm not a metalhead at all. <laughs> so I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. Absolutely not. It'll be it'll be rubbish. And then he convinced me to come along to a practice. Um, it was brilliant. I learned uh, Strange Aeons, Strange yeah, yeah, off the first album. 11 minutes long, first game. It's 11 minutes long. I learned it in a, in a couple of sessions, and yeah, I was, I was pretty much hooked. Some listeners might hear the words progressive rock. You know, they might uh, automatically turn down their radio, take a bit of a jump back from the, uh, from the speakers. Or uh, What would you say to that kind of reaction? Um, and how would you kind of learn how to connect with progressive progressive metal progressive rock progressive metal yeah. progressive metal progressive rock by the way is like early 70s yes like let me get it right yeah. progressive, progressive metal was much more harder and heavier than, than that is okay yeah, yeah, so yeah. even harder yeah. than progressive yeah. rock <laughs> to begin with when you first hear like five blokes playing very loud instruments and screaming you think nah I'm just gonna switch this off. it's too much but if you if you kind of stick with it particularly with our stuff there's thematic links throughout songs the albums connect to one another it's really i don't want to use the word deep but it's 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 yeah yeah, there's layers to it and uh but me me and simon are both country fans so a good 50 percent of the album has really strong narrative focus so there's like three act structures and like um a strong sense of of beginning middle end through characters there's a lot of songs that don't even have any repeats in them but they don't have so you would traditionally make a song about what you can like what we call riffs where you would get riff a which is verse riff b is your chorus and then a c part that might be a solo or a variation and um, the jazz you got a b a b solos b a whatever at the end so progressive will be a b c d e f g all the way to the end with no repeats because you're taking the listener on a on a narrative journey both uh, in your audio and in the lyrical sense and they want those to marry up, and you can't repeat sections if it makes no sense because the character's development gone past that. You can thematically repeat some of those uh, uh, with, with with variances, and we do that quite a bit, where the theme gets played in a, a different a different key, or certainly it's modulated slightly differently. Or maybe rhythmically, we introduce new elements so which the listener doesn't get to the end of a song and goes, wait a minute, that's not how we started. But in, in essence, it is, because that's a journey. You take the listener on a journey, and you can't do that in three minutes while having a repeatable yeah, with, hook. With three chords, yeah. But you can put hooks in, hooks in it, and as, um, as uh, Joe said, we're all, we're all country fans, so we spend a lot of time on the, the choruses and the hooks, but the, the bit you're listening to, the earworm, I think the Germans call it, that, that you put in your brain to go, that was cool. 
so we spend a lot of time making sure people have got enough of that but also that we're comfortable with the um the maturity of the music behind it your songwriting process where do you start is it the same for every every song that you that you write so some of the songs are, some of the songs are just me some of the songs are of from scott will come in with a riff and i'll develop it and so it always starts with your music music always because the music tells you what theme you're gonna if it's a nice acoustic piece you're not going to start screaming over that about you know some some horrible some horrible event from history but once you've got an idea about what the music is telling you you would find a concept or a historical event that would somehow marry to that something i'm interested in and then see if that's worth developing so um with everyone i found a story online quite by accident and was enchanted by the story and i knew i had this melody which was quite mournful and i wanted to put that together and they fitted perfectly so that developed that one rubicon was always going to be a very aggressive track because that's me being angry about something so they that married together and sometimes the lyrics just in the music inspires the first line but sometimes i try and write it where the chorus is the first thing i write so if the fundamental line of the chorus is expressing the whole concept of a song in one single line maybe 10 syllables maybe even less and once you've got that you can work backwards to explain yourself so it starts with the chorus generally if there's going to be one or sometimes <laughs> or sometimes it's like i've just got a nice riff let's just carry on and see where it develops yeah quite often there's uh i don't write too much for the band i do a little bit but not loads but um you and our other guitar player scott yeah he you both will have a riff and bring it to the table and sometimes it's just a straight no throw it away but often it's like either that's great we'll use it for something or that's pretty good what if we did this and let's this? develop it yeah yeah. yeah yeah and we tend to do it uh we try and be as collaborative with one another as possible yeah there's, 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 a, there's a our qc as skippy calls it is is very high so there's, i think we've thrown away more than some bands have ever written oh yeah yeah yeah, 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 there's, yeah there's, the stuff doesn't doesn't get to the public. huge amounts of material on our yeah. like private player that we've all just gone no I mean, even stuff that we wrote years ago at the, the time we thought oh yeah. brilliant and now we sort of feel like we've gone past it so we've just chucked it away uh, the ability to have a sketchbook as well so you write in a thing called a door digital audio workstation it gives you ability to, to write chunks of music in a, in, a, in a vertical file format with time being across the x-axis and then you can move the portions around very easily and you can hear if joe came around and said oh i don't i like that riff put it before that one i want to hear what that does to me musically and then we can do that very easily and then what myself and scott do is we actually uh stock music close our eyes listen to it and then the moment we're pulled out of the narrative or pulled out of the of the the, the moment is we know right, that bit's wrong let's mm-hmm. focus on changing that part sure let's um let the music do the talking yeah. so uh what are we going to listen to today so this is part one of a three act narrative that we wrote um called thoughts of a dying astronaut where um, the, the, the protagonist is trapped in space and I didn't really, it doesn't matter if he's trapped in space it doesn't matter if he's an astronaut when he maps it he's alone and he's about rescue and the, the track takes you through the various stages of his realisation and his despair and his self-reflection and his introverted anger his hubris and finally his, his rationalisation that he's going to pass away and no one's going to notice he was, he was gone and Blight is the first part of that piece where, which is quite gentle not reflective of the rest of the track in the slightest which is significantly heavier but it's the gentle almost solemnic prince uh, idea that he's going through his head i'm not going to get out of this alive and this first thought turns to people that he cares about and his first thought is not selfish uh, and he says don't worry about me i'll be fine
possibility was that it was coming from someplace outside our galaxy. Blight from band Aeons. And before that, we heard Simon and Joe from the band talking about their musical style. And that's all there's time for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to Spotlight with me, Michelle James. I look forward to being back with you next week for our final episode of the series, where we chat to Alex Duncan about upcoming radio drama and Felipe Kawauchuk from Open Water Films. See you then, 6pm, here on Manx Radio. <laughs>